0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus
1: Christ. Just like most people who who live in Hollywood, you have to, you know, get a secondary job to kind of make ends meet. I was working at a place called Saddle Ranch. It was there where um, three girls came in and they sat down on this table. And I thought, you know, I was going to put on the charm and I quickly have this interaction with them where they're asking me, hey, do you want to get into the acting business? And I was like, oh, great. Like, this is an opportunity for me. And they're like, no, we're talking about pornography. And I was just like, what?
0: Thanks for joining us again for another episode. And if you've not had a chance to listen to last episode, it was episode 134, you've got to go back and listen to part one of our interview with Joshua Broom. I know that his testimony and his transparency, sharing how God has restored his life and pulled him from a pit of darkness will encourage you. And um, we conclude our talk with him today. And I know that this is going to be a blessing to you. So I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: This girl walks in and, you know, she's, she's gorgeous. And I asked her out on a date and she says no. <laughs> and then, um, I was like, gosh. And then she's like, well, I guess we could go for a run. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't, I like to lift weights and I like to sprint. Um, I don't want to run for a long time, but I will, <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> I will do it. And we meet to go on this run and we're going to run in a park, and um, I get there a little bit early and I'm waiting for her to get there. And I just have this lump in my throat and it's like, almost like I can hear my mom in my head where it's like, don't you dare lie to that girl. And I was just like, man, I, because I, I'd hurt a lot of people. I'd hurt a lot of people because of me lying or me, you know, not showing up, not doing what I said. Um, Just, just very broken. And um, I just couldn't do that to her for some reason. I just like, couldn't do that to her. So before our run really started, I said, Hey, I just want to tell you something. I, I, I did a little bit of pornography and she said, excuse me. And I was like, and I was about to do what I've done, like to make myself better like my, make myself feel better in the past, I'm um, told a half truth, yeah. you know, told enough truth to to take the to take the weight off of me, but not really suffer the full consequence. So in that in that moment, I'm just like, no, you know, man up, like tell the truth. And it was like I blacked out. I was like, here's every bad thing I've ever done in my entire life. You know, it's like, you know, and, and told her everything. And then how did that go over? Uh, she like looked at me like deer in the headlights, like I did not expect that. Yeah. And and then she's quiet for a few seconds, and then she said, Well, I want you to know that a person is not defined by the worst thing they've ever done. Wow. And a person's not defined by the greatest thing they'll ever accomplish. God defines who they are. God defines a person. She said, "Do you know who God is?" And, you know, I I put on my first date mask. Um the first date mask is something um I talk about this a lot, but the first date mask is I don't know who I am, but I'm going to be whoever you want me to be because the only thing I care about is you liking me. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm a Christian. I love God, you know. But what else do you want to know? Yeah. And um, and then she's like, okay, well, what's your relationship with Jesus look like? What does your prayer life look like? You know, are you are you plugged in a community anywhere? Or um, and you know, she might as well have been speaking Japanese to me at that moment because I was just like, I don't know. I don't I don't know the answer. Yeah. She's like, she's like, well, you know, I I've been a Christian for most of my life, I gave my life to Jesus, um, early on in high school. Um, you know, this is the church that I go to my family's Christian. Um, it's something that's very important to me. Um, but anyway, uh, do you, do you like tacos or like, I was just like <laughs> what?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because it, I was so take, I was so taken back because, um, I, I wasn't rejected. I thought I was going to tell the truth and she was going to like, get away from me. You're disgusting. Um, But she, she wanted to know more about me. She's like, you know, what's your family like, you know, what, what do you like? What are your, you know, what are your wants? What are your, you know, what, what are your passions in life? And it just, um, you know, very much like, you know, Colossians, like five and six, where, you know, we're, we're to walk in wisdom towards those who are without, And know, verse six, it talks about how um, our speech, if it's, it needs to be seasoned with, it needs to be gracious and seasoned with salt so that we might know how we ought to answer each person. And and the way you, not always what you say, but how you respond makes a big difference. And she showed me grace and kindness and it intrigued me. And um, we, you know, the, the, the rant, the run never happened. We walked for, you know, a few hours and just talked. And then we, you know, we go our separate ways and we text like, you know, high schoolers um, all that week. And then she invites me to go to church. And um, I was, you know, she had cultivated this level of curiosity in me. And we and we go to church. And I'm thinking, again, this church, it's there, there's there's nothing there for me because if they knew who I was, they they'd kick me out or something
0: did you feel right. too unclean to be worthy of
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, like again, like growing up it's like, you know, I I I I went to a church where like, you know, if you had a wrinkle in your shirt, you're going to hell, you know, like <laughs> 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 but um, I walk in this church, and and they have this like giant wooden banner, and it said, um, "We want to love people where they are, and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ." And I was like, "You want to love me where I'm at? No way, no way." What a
2: profound wording, yeah. That God had you go into that church. To see those words yeah. for you, he yeah. loved you that much, then he was still trying to knock at your heart's door to say, Look at what this says yeah. in
1: church. Yeah. And then, uh, yes, yeah, so we go into the sanctuary and, um, listening to the worship music. Um, and then, uh, this, you know, I was expecting that when the pastor went on stage. It was going to be someone, you know, three piece suit, um, all all that, all that good stuff. And it was this guy in cowboy boots and jeans. And he actually reminded me of my grandfather Mm -hmm. and he started talking about Jesus. Like, you know, he was his friend and that he was always there for him and that, um, you know, he was gentle and kind and loving and just describing Jesus in this way that, um, I, I maybe I had heard it said before, but it it never really resonated, or I didn't have he, I didn't have ears to hear for it. Then he starts telling the story um, out of First Samuel about Mephibosheth, and how Mephibosheth was um, the last remaining member of Jonathan's family. And historically, when a kingdom a new kingdom came in to rule anyone in that previous kingdom was killed because they didn't want them to have access to the kingdom. But David was a different kind of king because David and Jonathan had this relationship and David was just different in general. And he sent a guard to go find Mephibosheth. But Mephibosheth knew history and he knew that, you know, it uh, based on history past, he was good as dead. And he was already, um, he, had, he had been dropped. Um, we, we don't know exactly what the um, the limitation or the disability was, but we see Mephibosheth, um, essentially a beggar expecting death. And David's guard comes to him, and he thought he was going to kill him. But instead, David's guard invites him back into David's home. David restores his land and gives him a seat, a seat at his table and then he pivots in and it's like that's where Jesus meets us. While, right. you know, Romans 3:23 like we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6:23 the wages of sin is death. So if we're all guilty and we're all impending death, we're all deserving of death, what are we to do? Right. That's where Jesus meets us. Jesus, while we are guilty, lived the perfect life that we could never live, died the death in our place. And he meets us in that place. And if we put our faith in him, that reunites us in a right standing with God. He is the perfect spotless lamb. And that provides us this, you know, the substitutionary atonement that makes us right with God. So it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we earn it and we all are dead. We're all dead and in need of saving. Right. And no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, we're all in need of saving. And God loves you so much that he sent his one and only Son. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And that was available to me in that day. And what it, what it destroyed in me was this presupposition about what the father was because the father to me was someone. He didn't want me. He was absent. He was distant. He was far away. And he did not want me, but God loves me so much that He was willing to give His first and His best and suffer and die for me because He loves me that much, not because I earned it, because I'm His.
2: Amen. Powerful. So, Powerful.
1: Yeah. So in that in that moment, I you know I I cried my eyes out and, and, and gave my life to Jesus, and um you know and that person that I had that walk with. Um, she's been my wife for six years and we have three kids and, um, we've been doing ministry for about five years and we have a nonprofit called finding hope. And, um, I live my life every day with, um, just a willingness. You know, I I have my yes on the table for whatever God wants to do in my life. And, um, yeah, like God met me right there. And, and the beautiful thing about Jesus is he'll meet you where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you as you are.
2: That's so uh, an example of where your life was, was how bad you had gotten to so many different circumstances yeah. that I think husbands and wives who have left their home and have gone into uh, adultery and all these other things. That they may feel exactly like you've been talking about, yeah. that they're not worthy to go back home, that they gotta go on with their life they're living, yeah, and don't come back to their home, to their children, or yeah. to uh to that that lifestyle because they they're they've got that shame and that mm-hmm. guilt. Yeah. And and but but God has a yeah. plan, a purpose, and never did you think when you asked her out. And yeah. met her a week before that you would be in church and God would touch and change you so right. quickly and suddenly.
1: Yeah, and and that's what I love about Luke 15. Like you see, you see that prodigal son returned home. You know he he had you know he inherited you know he he asked his father for that wealth and he squandered it. Um, and then he's in a pigsty, like eating with the pigs. He's like, gosh, like maybe you know, may, maybe dad will let me you know work on the farm or, or something. And, um, he, he, he starts walking back and I'm sure he's, you know, his head was hanging, he was ashamed and dirty. And, um, you know, he'd been in the pigsty, um, like literally covered in filth. And what does his, what does his father do? He, he doesn't, you know, uh, well, I guess you can come home or no, he goes running to him right. and gives him his best. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a beautiful picture of like, that's what God wants for you. Like God loves you so much. and wants to lavish you Mm -hmm. with not what you think you need, what he knows is best. And, and, um, I, I think there's so many stories, um, that we could share, but, um, just in the confines of marriage, it's like, man, um, for me, like from that point, I, I knew like, um, I, I know my story's somewhat of an of, of an anomaly in, in in some ways, but for me, it's like God like very quickly shifted like my life and what He did for me like very much like Paul like where you know the scales fell from um, Paul's eyes and he could see uh, like mm-hmm. that that was for me. It's like I he opened my heart and opened my eyes and all of a sudden I could see and very quickly I could see what He redeemed me from. Yeah. Um, it was death. Like I, I I wasn't a better version of myself. I was alive, and I used to be dead. Yeah. So, like, I I go like literally the next um, probably like three days later, I go into a pastor's office and I'm like, hey, can I tell you? Can I can I talk to you? And I I tell him my story and I and I say, well, I think. God wants me to build a boat. <laughs> and he's like, I said, what do you, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I think God wants me to do something that's bigger than I can comprehend. And my grandfather did teach me this if you want to do something, um, go find someone who is doing it at a level where you know they, they've had some success, they've been doing it for a while and ask a lot of questions. So I was like, I, I'm here. Um, I, I think God wants to use my life. I want to tell my story. Now what? And, <laughs> and now what, like, what do I do? And he's but like, that
2: was three days. I mean, just a few days after <laughs> that you accepted the Lord. Yeah. I mean I,
1: like, yeah, but like, by no means was I like saying like, I want to be in ministry. Yeah. I was just like, I, I no, got, this. No. Yeah, it's, it's like, I got this story. I want to tell it. How do I do this? Right. And, what um, great question. And, and he introduced me to this guy, Andrew, and Andrew had just recently moved from Dallas to Raleigh. Um, He was helping launch another campus for this church. And he was supposed to meet with me and just like, talk about just basic context, like, you know, just um, observation, interpretation, application, like how to, how to start reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we met and we're supposed to meet for 30 minutes and that 30 minute meeting lasted a three hours and that 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 one meeting turned into to him mentoring me to this day but wow. I, I I ended up interning you know underneath him for about uh, about four and a half almost five years and um, through that process he he taught me how to read the Bible and then he taught me how to teach the Bible and then I got so inspired by him and what I loved about him is that you know it's just a beautiful thing about real accountability that he encouraged me, but he also gave me a kick in the butt when I needed. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I think we, we all need both. We all yeah. need real, you know, someone to be real with us. It's like, yeah. you know, Hey, you can get better in this area. Like he never told me I was, a, I was doing a good job when I wasn't, you know? Yeah. And, um, for me, that was really important because, um, to be honest, like other than my family, like, you know, it's like, you're doing a good job. You're doing awesome. You're great. And it's like, when I wasn't, when, when I was not in a good place. Right. Um, so like him being honest with me and us having these, uh, really difficult conversations, it brewed this desire for constructive criticism. And, and, and I think, um, for everyone, but specifically men, um, if you find yourself in a place where you can't receive constructive criticism, from someone that you love and trust, that's a really big red flag. There's something going on in your heart. Like your pride is overtaking your purpose.
2: Yeah, So,
1: and, and it's like, you know, if you can't receive correction where you'll find yourself doing something, you know, you shouldn't do. And if you, and if you push back on people saying, Hey um, you're, you're, you're acting in a way that's not You know, not you. What's going on? Um, You know, you're 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 using language you don't normally do. Why are you doing that? And it's an invitation to say, "I'm not okay," and there's something going on. But what the enemy wants us to do is to hide and suppress. And what happens is that sin grows bigger because whatever lies in darkness, it grows. And all of a sudden, that one thing that you said turns into something you shouldn't do just like with pornography or anything else like if we look at the life of David David saw something he shouldn't have seen Bathsheba on the roof and he could have looked away right. but he didn't he looked again and then he and he called his guard to go get her and then he laid with her and then all of a sudden so David saw something he shouldn't have seen he t- he took a second look which led to something him doing something he shouldn't have done and then he tried to cover it up
2: so the him snowball. cover
1: So him, yeah. So him covering up. So he had Uriah essentially killed, but it's like, you know, for guys, maybe it's clearing your, your browser history or, or telling a lie or covering up where if you would have done that one thing and then in, you know, confess to someone or, or been in a place to say, man, why am I doing this? And then talk to someone about it. Like, that's the beauty of having accountability in your life. Yeah, it's like, man, um, I almost really screwed up. Right. I did I did this. And it's like, I don't know what I was thinking. And then you can have a conversation about it. And, instead of suppressing it, then yeah. suppression generally leads to justifying something. And then you do something that you never would have done if you would have just talked about the, the very first thing.
0: What would have happened if he was in twenty-three-year-old Joshua's life when you got that first invitation? You had that accountability partner. What yeah. would have happened? I mean, that could have changed everything.
1: I mean, knowing knowing Andrew, he probably would have gave me like a a, a stiff, like a little jab to the to the lip or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stop.
1: But, but also, uh, we
0: have to invite that accountability. Oh, in.
1: Yeah, because you're only as free as you're honest. Right. Right. And if if there's not a level of trust there, you're like you have to build that relational equity so that there can be trust. And If there's no trust, you're not going to be honest. We're going to we're going to you know, we're going to have accountability software on our phones. We're going to have small groups that we go to and there's going to be surface level, you know, relationships where we're not digging deep. We're not benefiting from from each other because I'm just telling you what I want you to hear so that you respond in the way that I want, because I want you to think about me in a certain way. Yep. And, you know, that's not how like Proverbs 27, uh 27, 17, it's like iron sharpens iron for iron to sharpen iron. It has to, it has to be abrasive. It has to touch. There has to be stress. And without stress, there's not change. Right. And like, for me, like, man, I had to like, from that point, like something that Andrew helped me with, Um, you look at, you know, second Timothy 3, 16, like all scriptures, God breathed and It's good for teaching, rebuking, reproof, and, and so that a, a man can be complete. Right. Um, you look at this idea, um, the 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 Hebrew word shalom, where where we get peace from, it means you know, no part is missing. You know, if, if, if someone's coming back from um from from battle or something, they're not missing, you know, an, a, an appendage or a, if there's a structure, there's not a block missing, everything that is there is. Complete and it's intact. And for us to be complete and intact, we need Christ, and we need Christ to just strip us away from our inadequacies. And for me, it's like understanding that okay, um, I didn't believe that the Bible was real because of the validity of Scripture. I believe the Bible was real because I believe that Jesus was real. There was some I had learned sufficient evidence that Jesus was a real person. He really walked the earth. He was really crucified and he really rose from the dead. And if all those things are true, then because of that, when he says not a dot, not an iota of my word is going to pass away until it's all fulfilled. It's like, okay, if you say that scripture is inerrant and infallible, I'm going to believe that, too, because I believe in the person that rose from the dead. You know, (laughs) so so then I started to take scripture seriously Uh and then I used it. To like Romans 12 2. It's like I, I had to not be conformed by the world, I had to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So I allowed scripture and biblical truth to be a compare and contrast. If I felt this and it opposed scripture, it had to die. Right. So for me, it was a process of me understanding, learning, and 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 filling my heart with scripture, and then when when i felt a certain way you know kind of like uh, your thoughts right so you, we're we're called to take every thought um captive and make it obedient to christ and and i love this illustration of like a train right so if a thought is a train i god loves me enough to give me free will because love um, is indicative of choice so because i have free will because i have choice a thoughts like a train in that if i had the self awareness to know i have this thought and I see this train, and if it's lust, I know where that train is going. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go there. So I'm not going to get on that train. So I'm going to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I'm going to to replace that feeling or that thought with truth, because truth is good for me. So, I mean, and that didn't happen right away. Like, I, I, I struggled
0: talk about your, your healing and those, you know, you came out of a very different lifestyle, trying to move into a very different lifestyle and now a relationship with Christ and a relationship with your girlfriend, um, soon to be wife. How, how was your healing journey and the process through that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, like God can work through anything. Um, you know, like, um, it's, it's never best to like, you know, to, to not be, you know, unequally yoked. Like it's not, it's not best. Um, but God can work through anything. And what happened was, is my wife was passionate about her journey. And, um, you know, I, I have the opportunity to where I've gotten to the point where I get to lead people in, in certain capacities. And, and something that I always want to communicate is, man, I want, you individually. I want you to have an independent dependency on Jesus. I want you to have an independent dependency on Jesus Christ. I don't want you to depend on me because the moment that you depend on me, on your church, on your worship leader, or on on any other thing than Christ, you don't have a relationship with him. You have a relationship through a third party and that's not Christianity. So it's like, you know, and, 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 uh, so we were all, we were both on our journey individually, but we collectively encouraged each other. And it's like, you know, just, just imagine like me, like, you know, we, we start dating and I'm, you know, I'm heavily involved in the church. Like I'm spending 15 to 20 hours a week in church, like with, with Andrew. Um, so like, that is where I, you know, I, I started like trying to figure out like how I could like you know, survive on the, the, the smallest amount of money so that I could spend more time at church. And, um, I, uh, you know, we were, we're growing and then we eventually, you know, we, you know, we, we started like that, this was on Easter. So when we, when we met, um, when, when this happened and then in October we got engaged. Wow. So like pretty quickly, yeah. and uh, when when we, we got engaged, we started the uh, we started premarital counseling and like you know started talking about like what does like walking in purity look like you know individually and collectively and just like so ironic you know this guy who's two years removed from being you know the biggest like porn star in the world I'm sitting in a in a purity class and it's like um and and I think like that's um, that's an important lesson for everyone to know. It's like, man, uh, if you're, if you're 15 or if you're 70, um, God's desire for your life is purity. It's purity. And purity is not, um, something you lose. It's something you pursue daily. Right. And like, for like, God's desire for you, like, sure, like virginity is the byproduct of you pursuing um, purity, but you can have, you can obtain and maintain your virginity and not maintain your purity because one's not synonymous with the other. They're not right. the same. Right. Um. So like, I really understood the value of purity. And for me, it was like, I was driven to like, obtain this purpose that I believe God had for my life and if you look at um second timothy um one I think 110 um no it's uh second 2 timothy 220 it's talking about how there's there's vessels um some for honorable use some for dishonorable use and um for me like my big takeaway from that was man my level of purity will impact my level of effectiveness yeah. And it's like, man, if if I want to be effective as a follower of Jesus, if I want to be effective as um, someone who wants to be a husband, um, if I want to be effective as someone who could be a good son um, and like and, and then that's when it like really dawned on me. It's like for me to be like anyone to, to understand, like, if I want to lead anyone in any capacity, you've got to understand this wisdom is found through surrender. And the first step towards leading yourself is becoming a son or daughter. Right. Because if you're in Christ, like, you know, it, it, it's sometimes a, a not not a fun thing to hear or something that uh, gets pushed back on sometimes, but um, everyone is made in God's image, but not everyone is a son or daughter of Christ because, you know, or or of of a son of God, because that is something you're adopted into a sonship and a daughtership through your relationship with Jesus. So it's like, so I had to learn to be a son so that I could do everything else. I had to surrender my life so that I could see, so that I could live Um, and, and, and purity was part of that. Like it was through surrender. It's like, I might want one thing, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to obey in spite of my wants, because I know like Psalm 23, like David saying, Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want because whatever I want is inherently bad. Whatever I want, is going to be selfish and prideful and it's going to serve me. Right. So I, I want to surrender my wants and I want to desire what God wants for me. And then that's when I really started to understand the difference between love and lust. And uh, a question that people ask me a lot, it's like, how did you have like a level of intimacy with your wife? Like, How did you have this relationship with your wife after being with all these people? And it was like, man, I realized that I had never experienced love before. So everything that I've ever experienced with my wife has been completely different. Than yeah. anything I've ever experienced before, because lust serves me. Right. Love requires sacrifice. And God showed that through the person of Jesus. And that is what love is. And yeah. I did not know anything about that.
0: It's a, the whole time you're talking, I'm thinking about the act of baptism. And while baptism, there's nothing holy about the water, but the, the sig the signification that it is. But just if you imagine I'm thinking about you in your old life and that yeah. transformation that God has done for you um, is radical to people looking in. And I'm sure it felt radical, but I'm sure there was days where it felt like I'm not changed. I'm, I'm, you know, the enemy would try to trick you and torment you into saying. Yeah. You know the healing's going to be too hard of a process. Just go back to that life that's waiting for you. Yeah. How do you combat those lies when the enemy would come against you like that?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Just, just, just speaking about like baptism. Just, I, I love that portion of scripture where you know, just you know, Je- Jesus tells John the Baptist, like, "You're going to baptize me," and John's like, "Are you sure? You know, <laughs> me? You're, you're a little so I, yeah, he's like, okay, you know, and and Jesus, it like he, his life was a picture of obedience. But what I love about that is, you know, one of the few times in scripture, we see the, we hear the audible voice of God saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And I just love to encourage people by that. Like, like in your obedience, God is looking at you and maybe you need to hear that because it was something that I never heard the father saying to you son when you are obedient in the small things when you're obedient i'm proud of you daughter i'm proud of you when yeah. you walk in that obedience but for me it was like that's what i desired i desired to serve god so i had to you know grow to a point where it's like Um, I love this comparison of like two hungry dogs, right? So the flesh and the Holy spirit and whichever one you feed more is going to be the strongest. And that's going to be the, you know, the, 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 the thing that rules over your life. So for me, um, I wanted to starve that part of myself and I wanted to, you know, increase my hunger for God. Um, and, and one of my favorite books that, that I've read, um, I think it's like one of the first Christian books I read, um, it was this book um, about godliness, and um, I, I always got this uh, jotted down on my desk, but I'm um, just talking about this pursuit of godliness, and godliness is not defined um, by an activity. It's defined by an attitude towards God or a posture of your heart, and there's three different elements, the fear of God, the love of God, and the desire of God. And, um, the fear of God, understanding what fear is. So reverence, right? So me, me having appropriate reverence towards God, understanding who he is and who I am through his lens, Mm -hmm. and then understanding his love, because I can't love him until I understand how much he loves me. And then the byproduct of that is if I revere him for who he is and I love him, I'm going to desire that. Mm -hmm. And my, my, um, my instincts, my flesh, my desires more often than not are going to oppose him. But if my desire for him supersedes my desire for me, and that's going to the byproduct of that will be obedience.
2: Yeah. I was going to just say <laughs> that's obedience. Yeah. And you surrendered your heart and your life yeah. to where you had been doing what you wanted to do, even though the Holy Spirit was convicting you and your thoughts. Yeah probably be doing this and you kept pushing it away yeah but When you surrendered your heart and life to the lord and said i'm gonna pick up the cross and follow you and be obedient to you yeah it's the transformation the lord has done and yeah. given you such wisdom and knowledge and you're a new creature in christ
1: I'll yeah 100 i mean i think um and for me it's like you know just uh you know being a dad it's like um, it just makes me see like John, like John 14, 15. Like if, if you, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, understand. So if you understand the heart of God, you'll understand the tone of God. And yeah. God's tone is not this authoritative. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's if you love me, you'll do what I say because it's best. Yeah. So when I tell my son not to touch the stove, he doesn't do it. Not because he knows the stove is hot. He does it because he loves me and trusts that what I what I say to him is right. going to protect him and that's how God work, God that's how God's word works. It yeah. it like God puts boundaries in our in our life yeah. not to, you know, stop us from doing what we want to do, it's to stop us from doing things we want to do that are going to lead to us getting hurt.
0: Yes. Right. Absolutely. I have, I know our time's almost up, but I want to ask you two different questions. One, what would you say to a person who is in the role like your mom or grandmother were in where they have a prodigal that they see living this life of sin, living this life far from God and they're, and they're just looking like it, it looks hopeless. It looks like they're too far gone. It looks like, you know, God, it's too much for you to redeem. What would you say to that person who's praying for a prodigal today?
1: Yeah, I would say that, you know, God still does miracles today. Um, and the, the power of prayer is real. And, yeah. you know, praying that God reveals himself in a way that they, they experience his love in a tangible way, um, whether it's a dream, a vision, a person, um, because, um, you know, back, back to, to what I said I would share with you today. Um, so I have a Bible. So my, my grandmother passed away two years ago. Um, and my mom gave me her Bible and in wow. that Bible, um, that I preach from regularly, um, is prayers to me about me with days that in those dates are when, uh, when, when I was still in that industry, um, she, she was praying for me and, um, man, it, the, the, the power of prayer and, and the power of God. Um, it, it's real. So I would say be relentless in your prayers mm-hmm. and trust that that God can do what you never could, because you can't save them, but right. he can. And right. and the and the Holy Spirit, like it, he will show up, he will show up and he will present himself. And um, what you can continue to do is not affirm that person, but to love them. And you can you can do both simultaneously you can love someone while you disagree with them venomously you yes. can you can firmly disagree with everything they're doing with every aspect of the way they're living their life but you can still love them you know like for first peter 3 15 it calls us to you know give an answer for the hope that we have but we're to do so with gentleness and respect right. and right. and through that like you know, Romans two, four, like it's God's love in his kindness, in his patience, praise God for his patience yeah. that leads us to yeah. repentance. So, um, yeah, like love people. Well, pray for them yeah. and ask God to do what only he can do.
0: Yeah. Cause and he will do it. He will do it. He yeah. is faithful. Um, one other question I want to ask you is you've been in a, in a, um, the pornography, um, empire and seeing the destruction that it caused to you, what would you say to someone who has a relative, a husband, or even a child or someone in their family that's struggling with it or, you know, in their marriage, they're told, well, pornography will spice things up in our marriage. And, and what would you say to, um, to a person that's struggling with that in in their life?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it, so you, it's hard to say, hey, just stop doing this um, because I want you to, right? So I, like I we, we, we love to try to leverage our love. It's yeah, like, if you love me, you'll stop doing that. Right, um, yeah. But the reality is if if we can display the darkness of what it is, like the reality is, um, so there's 30 people who I was in the industry with that have taken their life via suicide or overdose. Those wow. Those films are still being monetized. They're still on the internet. So there's 30 people just that I know personally. So you there's a, there's a good chance that those films that you're watching, that there's someone who took their life because of the, the mental and emotional trauma due to that industry. In addition to that, there's 200 active cases of regarding pornography that there's rape, that someone was, was drugged and raped and that content is put on the internet and it's being monetized. And that person never wanted to be on in that film. They had no idea they were being filmed yet. It's on there. And there's a significant amount of, of of stuff that looks like they're, they're barely legal or they're young girls. And it's actually child pornography. So there's 200 active cases that, that, that are lawsuits that is happening right now I'm. I love that I get to be part of this legislate. I'm. I'm. You know, I was in D.C. at Capitol Hill a few weeks ago, um, fighting for this legislation that's going to be passed, where there's going to be you know stricter age verifications and um, just clearer um, boundaries for consent and 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 consent having a timetable, which would mean if that legislation passes, it's called the Sissy Act, um, that I would be able to get my content taken down off mm-hmm. the internet, mm-hmm. which would be incredible. But I would I would say to someone, you have no idea how dark what you're what you're consuming. And while while addiction is real, um, I think it's like if you can if you can paint a picture of what it actually is, because when you when you watch porn, you're robbing some someone, including yourself, of human dignity. And you don't know if that person on the other side of the screen gave consent. To be there Mm -hmm. like you don't you don't know if they gave consent so just just understanding that it's a very dark world and it's it's just a it's just such a dark terrible thing and uh man if you could if you can see those people as not as products if you can see them as people who are image bearers of god and their daughters and sons and cousins if you see them as people um you'll, you'll, you'll be more reluctant to use them because we should love people and use things. But in this culture, we end up using people and loving things. And if we can get that on, you know, get it flipped around the way it should be, it it would be a lot different. But, um, you know, just, just have that like real conversation or, and, and just, and just say, it's like, man, um, I, you know, you, you don't have to affirm it or you don't have to be okay with it. Um, I think if someone in your life comes to you and, and admits that they have, you know, been in, been unfaithful, um, yeah. watching pornography or, or whatever they've done, that doesn't mean that you should just give them a pass, um, not say it's a big deal, but we are called to forgive yeah. and for forgiveness. Um, it, it, it comes with boundaries, right. you know, that so, so you can forgive and create boundaries yeah. and, and you know, reconciliation doesn't always have to look the same. Right. So, um, and, and I think it's, I mean, it's different in each situation, but gosh, if we can just understand that, like, we are a mess, and in spite of our wretchedness, God forgives us. Yeah. And if we can yeah. treat people in that way, um, I, I think we would be in a, in a lot better place. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, but I would just encourage them to, you know, find someone that they can talk to about it. Um, know that like it is an addiction, like the, the, the pathways that it leaves in your brain, the, you know, the level of dopamine that it causes you to crave, it's a real addiction. Um, And it's, it's really going to cause problems in your life. It's going to cause you to uh, not, you know, be someone with integrity. It's going to cause you to use people Um, more often than not. If, if you're okay with watching pornography, you develop this transactional attitude with people where I watch this and I get that. So all of a sudden, I stop being a good friend because if if our interaction doesn't impact me in a positive way, then I don't have any use for you, or I don't I don't value relationships, yeah. um, and it and it just it just causes this guilt and shame pattern that the enemy wants to use to to keep you isolated right. and to keep you from experiencing real intimacy because pornography is not intimacy; it's, right. it's the exact opposite.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's important. And Joshua, your testimony is going to
2: touch and your life is going to touch so many Mm -hmm. men and women individually, but it couples also. Mm -hmm. So your testimony and what you were doing and with your new ministry, it's, 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 I applaud you because there's not too many people other than that, that will be transparent as you have become today. And I think that transparency, it it stops Satan's Mm -hmm. from the lies, from all the people being deceived and saying, my husband, my wife can never change. My child will never change. And and not have that unconditional love that your grandmother and mother had Mm -hmm. for you. They were Mm willing, no matter what, and that's what we teach all the time. Yeah. But your testimony is um, is a powerful, powerful mm-hmm. testimony. One of the most of, of this. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I will be praying for you. And we. I yeah. want all of our people yeah. praying for you.
0: How, yeah. how can we pray for you specifically, for you and your wife, Hope?
1: Well, um, you know, we, we have just launched that new ministry, Finding Hope um specifically uh for the first time as a whole family i'm getting on a plane we're going on vacation in colorado springs next week awesome. um so praying for that travel and praying <laughs> for um the the kids
0: are great on a plane <laughs>
1: yeah for the, it's on. uh we're just, so from from iowa it's only like a little bit less than two hours so um <laughs> but we're we're excited about that um but gosh just for, um, you know, I, I think another lesson real quick that I have found is it's so easy to get busy, mm-hmm. especially with young kids. Mm-hmm. And we found that. Obviously, like your, your relationship with God mm-hmm. has to be the first and foremost thing in your life. Amen. But when you have young kids, it's so easy for you to still be pursuing God mm-hmm. and the kids to take over. And then all of a sudden your marriage takes Uh, Not a not a backseat, but all of a sudden it's not the priority, and you and you have this level of, um, you know, like you're you're disconnected in a in a way where, um, you're just going through the motions where you know you're getting stuff done, you're taking care of the kids, and then all of a sudden it's like, gosh, it's like we haven't you know had lunch or dinner or had like a meaningful conversation in a few weeks, and we feel disconnected, and that's where the enemy wants to put a wedge in between you and um, like, you know. there's a hierarchy of things there's a way of doing things that god says is best and man it's like you have to serve your spouse and it's like with your faith and and in love um none of that is passive it's all active you have to pursue each other and you have to have a plan and you have to be intentional with all that you do um so like gosh like if, if it's something as simple as you know paying someone 30 bucks to, you know, watch your kids while you have a picnic outside on your, on your porch, you know, like something simple, but gosh, like spend time together, like have meaningful conversation. Um, but be- because it's so important, it's so important. Like when you have young kids and you get busy because you'll find yourself disconnected and in disconnectment, you find discontentment and in discontentment, you find your, your, you find your mind wandering and you find, you know, you there's, you know, some people like exhibit anger or frustration. And it's like, why do I feel this way? Why are we arguing? We never argue. And it's like, yeah. oh, we haven't spent any time together. Right,
0: It's yeah. that little crack in the foundation that just yeah. gets wider and wider. And yeah. the devil's lies and tricks that he tries to
2: do. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's like, for me, it's like something I always tell people. It's like, gosh, like it's, it's not that we have a discipline problem. It's not that we have a self-control problem, it's we have a lack of awareness because if you're not aware of what's going on, you can't fix, you know, you'll you'll keep tripping over the same thing over and over again until you realize it's there. So, um, you know, that, that's the prayer that, 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 um, you know, me and my wife, we always like, you know, pray over each other, like before, um, before bed, it's like, you know, God, like give me eyes to see ears to hear. Um, you know, soften my heart, open my mind, like, let me see what it is that's in front of me so that I can serve you and we serve each other. And it's like, if, you know, if we don't do that, it's like, why? Like something's off, you know? Yeah. And that's the, that's the great thing about being close to God. It's like, when you, you, like just that awareness, it's like, something's not right. Oh, okay. Let, let me go to my father yeah. and, 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 and let him put things back in line.
0: And we know as you venture on this ministry that the enemy is going to be trying to bring discouragement and, and defeat, you know, as because you have such a powerful testimony and work ahead of you. Yeah, we'll for sure be praying for that.
2: And I just want to applaud you and, and remind everybody that's been listening, all these husbands and wives, that you use how many different scriptures speaking at the end of all these different things so the word of god is in your heart and your mind and that is how we win the battles Mm -hmm. against the enemy tricking and deceiving us it's when we don't know the word of god that the devil will lie to us and the devil tries to deceive us Mm -hmm. so you you um hidden the word in your heart
1: oh absolutely
2: we need our, our people need to do also and pray for That's our weapon. That's our weapon. That is our weapon. Mm Yeah. And we need to pray that, regardless of the husbands and wives who see all the bad of what's going on right now, that your mother and grandmother saw, it doesn't matter. It matters that God is in the midst of it and they're praying and believing for that miracle because you are another example of a tremendous, huge miracle, regardless of the badness of. How many years or how many times? And and God never gave up on you. God never gave up on you. Amen. Well,
0: as we close, would you um, mind closing in prayer for us and just pray for the prodigals that are out there running from God, and for the the you know wives and husbands that are praying for them and and their journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Heavenly Father, we just ask that uh, you be with us in this moment, that anyone that's uh, that's hearing our voice or or watching this content, um, God, that you move in their life, that you just soften their heart and open their mind to your truth. And I, I just pray for the person that has gone astray, that you believe because of what you've done, that's who you are. And that's not true. God created you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows the best parts of you, and he knows the worst, and he loves you in spite of those things, and he loves you enough not to leave you as you are, and his desire for you, if you're someone who you're in a broken marriage and you feel like you want to give up in spite of uh, your mistakes or your spouse's mistakes. His heart is to redeem and restore and his his desire is reconciliation. that's what he's been doing since the fall. His desire is to make things new and his desire is not to make things the way they used to be and I just pray that we don't allow um, presuppositions or 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 us to believe that, Everything has to be in an exact way. There's no system or process in the kingdom of God. It's his way because he wants to do not what you want. He wants to do abundantly, exceedingly more than we could ever hope or imagine. And he will do that in your life and in your heart. So I just pray for that person that is far from you. And maybe you're someone listening to this, and you don't know who Jesus is, and you you don't know where you stand before God. And I'll just say this: that God's desire is for you to be reconciled to Himself, and He He loves you in spite of what you've done, in spite of where you are right now. If you're five seconds from sin, if you sin just now, or you're sinning right now, uh, if you're in the middle of a lie, a middle of um, defeat or wherever you are, he wants to meet you right there in that place. He wants to meet you right there in your discouragement, in your frustration, and he's not afraid of your doubt or your questions. He wants to meet you right there. He loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you so that you could be reconciled to him. So I pray that you see Jesus for who he is, and you call out to him because he is the thing that you need the most there's no money there's no relationship there's no status that could compare to the to the beauty and the majesty and the the completeness that he will bring to your life and your heart so jesus we pray these things in your name amen amen
0: amen Thanks for sticking with us and listening to this powerful episode, and I just wanted to let you know about a couple of resources. One of them is the book we have called Prodigals Do Come Home, written by Bob Steinkamp, and if ever a book would mean something, it would be Joshua's story paralleling the story of the prodigal son, so similar, and how when he returned from his life of sin and darkness, he didn't Face rejection and abandonment from his family and his friends and even his future wife, but instead he um, was met with the unconditional love. And I hope that for your prodigal today, that you are feeling confident that nothing is impossible for God, and that there is hope. So the book um, "Prodigals Do Come Home" would be a wonderful read for you to be able to affirm that and to just understand the prodigal lifestyle. And the hope that exists for them. I also want to make sure that you're aware of our devotional that we have for married couples called Mark Ten Nine. And if you're not subscribed to it, you can subscribe by visiting our website at www.rejoiceministries.org or we'll put a link in the show notes. But this is a wonderful resource for couples who are married and looking for a weekly devotional that will just give them insight and tips and um, guidance through the scripture on how to have a marriage that is focused on Christ. And as Joshua shared in this stage of life that he's in, that is how his um, shift has gone also, where now he and his wife are looking at ways that God can continue to strengthen them as a couple. So if you have loved ones that are married that would um, benefit from that devotional, you can sign up for that through our website. Thanks for joining us.
1: If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.
2: Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift.
0: Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.